1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. So did you wake up this morning longing for holiness? Did you wake up this morning thinking, man, I get to obey Jesus today. I just cannot wait to obey Jesus. Was that on your thought, in your thoughts this morning as you woke up? I'm guessing probably wasn't the first thing you thought of when you stepped out of bed. It wasn't for me. Do you long for holiness? There's a chorus that we sang back in my youth group days called Holiness, Holiness. It's what I long for. Do we, though? Do we really long to live holy? The book of 1 Peter, this letter of 1 Peter, really answers the question, as we've learned in past weeks, that it answers the question, how do you keep moving forward for Jesus when moving forward for, for Jesus actually brings you suffering? Like, like how, do you, how do you keep being obedient to Jesus when it's your obedience that is actually causing you hurt and pain? It's like the person who maybe is in a relationship with someone that they know does not honor Jesus. And this is maybe, maybe they're in this relationship before they know Jesus. So they come to know Jesus and they realize, wait a second, this relationship I'm in, this isn't honoring to the Lord. And so now they moved into that relationship. And so they break up. And they break up. And not only does it cause this person harm and hurt, but it's actually causing the person that they're in this relationship harm and hurt. How do you, how do you, Keep obedient to Jesus in that moment. Or I think of uh, Stephen Mary Klotz and Jason, and they're heading to Papua New Guinea this summer. They're moving everything. I mean, they're going over there to live, to serve Jesus. And they're leaving children here. How do you do that? I remember when we left for Ireland, and, and my mom, I mean, I was taking her only grandkids at the time overseas. Didn't really know how, when she'd see them next. It was hard. Tears. How, how do you keep obeying Jesus and, and, and following Jesus when actually following Jesus is what's bringing you hurt and pain? How do you do that? This little letter of 1 Peter helps answer that question for us. And he's going to answer that question throughout this letter of how do you keep moving forward for Jesus? No retreat when moving forward for Jesus is actually what's bringing you hurt and pain and suffering. And there's principles here for not just those times when we're suffering because we follow Jesus, but I think there's principles here for any time we're suffering. And so let's read on. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Peter writes, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, 
who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Now, last time we were studying this, this, this book, we were in the first 12 verses. And just a quick review. Peter's answering this question, right? How do you continue to follow Jesus when following Jesus is what's bringing you pain and suffering and hurt? And in the first 12 verses, Peter reminds us that in those moments, you need to remember that this is not your home. Earth is not your home. You're just camping here. It's temporary. So you need to get your thoughts toward heaven and where your home really is. And so when that suffering begins to come because you're a follower of Jesus, you just remember that this is not your home. You get thinking about heaven. And he also says you need to not only remember that you're not home yet, but remember your salvation. Think about Jesus. And we gave you some practical suggestions the last time we were together on on how to do that. All right, and if you're not sure what those are, we posted those on our church Facebook page the other day, so you can go back and, and review those if you need. So I want to take just a moment right where you sit, and I want you to discuss. So how's it going? How have you, how have you been doing at thinking about heaven and thinking about Jesus since we last met in First Peter? So take a moment right where you are. You're going to talk to each other, okay? I know typically in church, but this feels awkward. It's okay. We're family. We should talk to each other. All right, so take a moment. How are you doing? How, are you, how have you been doing at thinking about heaven and thinking about Jesus? Or remembering you're not home yet and remembering your salvation. So go for it. I'll give you a couple minutes to do that. So one of the things that I remember as a kid in elementary school was looking forward to recess. But specifically looking forward to recess where we would play kickball at the playground. And... I remember the, the recess bell would run, and I would dart out the school doors, and I would go to the playground, and we would go to the, kind of the kickball, kickball court, and we'd all, whoever wanted to play kickball during recess, you'd stand on the line, kind of like those kids, in, and you'd just stand there. And then there'd be two students that would be chosen as team captains, and then those team captains would choose who would, they would want on their team. And if you had any kind of kickball ability... You were hopeful. It was, I mean, you were hoping that maybe you were chosen in the first tier of the draft, right, for, for teams. You know, and, and then you're like, yeah, you wanted to be the first one chosen because that felt really good. You didn't want to be the last one chosen because that didn't feel really good. And there were times when, depending upon who the team captains were, the team captain, out of grace and mercy, would choose maybe the student that you knew based upon their kickball ability, they should never have been chosen first. And not only should they have never been chosen first, they probably should never have been chosen at all. I mean, if we're honest, right? I mean, if you've ever thought that, you're not alone, because I've thought that before. Not proud of it, but it's the top, you know, it's like, why, how did you, you know, in your mind, you're going, why did they choose them? They strike out every time, right? And you're just like thinking those, or I was thinking those thoughts. This is, you know, all the, and so, 
you'd have those kids. And then if you were maybe that, that kid that was choosing this student to be on your kickball team that maybe didn't quite, should never have been chosen at all, right? You, why are you doing that? Why, why, why choose? They know that they can't kick the ball. They know that they're not the best kickballer. That's even a word. You know, but they choose them anyway because there's this grace, there's this mercy that they want to extend. Now, question for you. How does it feel to be chosen? Like in that first tier. How's it feel? Feel pretty good, right? Yeah, you're like, yeah, that's right. I deserve them. Pretty good kickball. Thanks, man. I'm your new BFF, right? Because you chose me first. Now, if you're, let's say, maybe in the lower tier, and you know that you really don't have the kickball skills. You know you don't deserve to really be chosen first. And in fact, maybe you really know that I'm just here to play kickball because I like her. And she's playing kickball, right? And I want to be her boyfriend in like second grade. Okay, and so I'm playing here at kickball because I like her. All right, and so if you're only there and you know you can't play kickball, but you get chosen, your name is called anyway, how do you feel? How do you feel? You feel good, right? You're like, whoa. I don't deserve this, but thank you for choosing me, team captain. And then how do you feel toward the team captain that chose you when you know you shouldn't have been chosen at all? How, come on. How do you feel? Yeah, you feel good, right? Maybe a little nervous, right? Because you're like, oh, he chose me first. I know he can't play kickball. I'm horrible at it. But, right, I'm going to do my best. So you're kind of motivated because out of, you know that this team captain has chosen you when you shouldn't have your name called anyway. And, but now your motivation is, I want to play well, not because I'm good, but because of the grace of the team captain who chose me to be on his or her team. Motivation shifts. So now I want to play hard, right? Because, man, they should have, but they, they extended kindness toward me. I want you to keep that in mind as we work our way through what Peter is saying here in these next verses, in verses 13 through 25. So Peter continues to answer this question, how do we keep moving forward for Jesus when moving forward for Jesus is actually what's bringing us heartache? Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, what, you sh- what should you do? Find out what it's there for. Always. Whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, find out what it's there for. So what is the therefore there for? Why is Peter putting the therefore there? That's what we need to find out. Well, Peter's putting the therefore there because here what he really wants you to do is before you read any further, before you read what he's got to say next, you need to go back and see what he just said. You need to get thinking about what he has just told you in the previous 12 verses. So what has Peter just told us in the previous 12 verses? He's told us all about the grace that God has poured out on us, out on us as his followers, as a follower of Jesus. That you're, you have this living hope, this guaranteed confidence that you have a home in heaven. That you're born again, that he's given you new life in Christ. right? And he's got all these things. He's got this inheritance waiting for you when he comes back. And that's what he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, think fully, set your hope fully on this grace that's going to be brought to you when Jesus comes back. So you think you've got all this grace now? (laughs) Just wait. God's got more grace he's going to pour out on you when he comes back, when Jesus returns. And so Peter's saying, you get thinking about all this grace. 
Get your mind under control. Get your thoughts under control. And that's literally what he means, preparing your minds for action. It's like when kids are little and they put on mom or dad's clothes and they're tripping, right? They're too big and they're tripping all over them. That's what we do with our thoughts. And Peter's like, no, you got your, you've run in, you're letting your thoughts just take control of you. And they're starting to distract you from thinking about heaven. Your thoughts are distracting you from thinking about Jesus, and all the grace that God has given you. And so what Peter's saying, no, no, no. Before you read any further, you need to get a hold of those thoughts and you need to take control of those thoughts. Now that you've got your thoughts in the right place and you're thinking about all that God has done for you and all the grace he's poured out on you, now let's keep reading. So what's Peter say? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. What is Peter saying here? He's already told us, okay, when you're, you're following Jesus, and following Jesus brings you hurt and pain and suffering, what do you do? You get thinking about heaven. You get thinking about Jesus. Remember you're not home yet. Remember your salvation, and you just keep staying obedient. You just keep living holy. Why? Because it's in the moments when you're suffering because of, you follow Jesus that you begin to think, is Jesus really worth it? This is causing me pain. And not just me pain, but it's causing even maybe people that I love pain. So it's following Jesus. Jesus, are you really worth it to continue to be obedient? And Peter's saying, absolutely he is. You just get control of those thoughts. Think about all the grace that God has poured out on you. And he's going to pour out on you. And you just keep living holy. You just keep staying obedient. I mean, look at all the different words. He He says, as obedient children, don't be conformed to the ways of thinking and the way you lived before Christ. But as he who called you is holy, he says, be holy in all your behavior, not just in your churchy behavior, but be holy when you're at work. Be holy when you're all alone. Be holy when you're with your group of friends. Be holy with what you allow to come through your, your eye gate when it comes to TV or your phone or whatever it might. You be holy in the music that you listen to. You be holy in the thoughts you think. Be holy in everything. Why? Since it is written, and he's quoting Leviticus, God's words here says, God said, you shall be holy for I am holy. So, question, how would you define holy? Take two minutes and discuss that with the people next to you. Define holy. So, Peter says here, he says, be holy in all your conduct. Be holy in all your behavior. Now, the way that Peter uses this word holy, he's using it in a way where he's describing that how you're living is you're becoming more set apart from those things that are not in agreement with God, his character, or his word. All right, so, which means, like, if this is things that Jesus or God does not approve of, you're, you're starting to walk away from that. That's holy, being holy, and you're actually starting to walk more toward the character of God and who he is and what he says in his word. And that's kind of the way that Peter's describing it here. And, and it's written in the imperative. Does anybody, what's the imperative mean? It's command. 
So this is a command to God's people. Listen, you need to be holy. That implies action. That's, it's, just, it's just obedience. It's simply, it's just simple obedience to Jesus Christ, which is empowered. And the only way you can do that is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 1, verse 2, that's actually how Peter starts his letter. To those who are elect exiles... According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. So Peter starts his letter saying, here we go, we're going to get there. And he's like, how do you keep moving forward for Jesus when for, moving forward for Jesus actually bringing you suffering? Just keep being obedient. Just keep doing what you know pleases the Lord. Just stay obedient and the Spirit will give you the power to do that. Peter is not talking about your position of holiness. Romans chapter 5, the moment of salvation, God imputes, theological word right there, right? Imputes or, or transfers the righteousness of his son, Jesus, into you, into your account. And the guarantee that he's done that is he's put his own spirit, Holy Spirit, reason why he's Holy Spirit inside you to help your sanctification match your justification. Theological words, all right? So that you can start making choices on the outside that look like who Jesus has made you on the inside. And so Peter's saying, all right, so this is, we're talking about your sanctification. We're talking about you continuing to live and look like someone who's truly a follower of Jesus, who's really been changed on the inside. So he's not talking about your position here. Royal family, think royal family, all right? Prince William, Prince Harry, been in the news a lot lately. All right, what are they? What's their position? They're, they're princes. But sometimes, our opinion, they're not quite making choices that seem to be consistent with their position as a prince that doesn't change their position they're still princes but their behaviors don't always match their position peter's not talking about your position as a child of god how god sees you as holy he's talking about the choices you're making as a child of god we see this in romans chapter 12 2 corinthians 6 and so peter's reminding them that in those moments when following Jesus gets hard and is actually bringing you hurt and pain, you just keep staying obedient. You just throw those thoughts that are distracting you and getting you to wonder, is following Jesus worth it? You just throw that up against the grace of God and, and you remember that Jesus is worth it. He is. And so you think, well, okay, so why? Why should I continue to live holy? Why be obedient? Peter gives us three reasons in the rest of the chapter and we'll hit these. Why should you continue to be obedient when your obedience is actually what's hurting you? <laughs> That's what Peter's saying. He's like, all right, here we go. So verse 17, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So Peter says here, the first reason that Peter says, here's why you should continue to live holy is because the father who called you is holy. That the, the father who adopted you into his family, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he is holy and children resemble their father. Children resemble their parents. We were at Josh and Anna's um, baby shower last Sunday, right? And so awesome. It was a good time. And so we're talking with some of them. We're talking to Michael and Courtney Ferguson, who just had their little baby boy, Gus. All right, we were talking to them, some of the family members. Oh, little Gus, he looks just like Michael. Like if you if you pulled out Michael's baby pictures and you put Michael's baby pictures up against Gus, you wouldn't be able to. You know, there's just Gus looks like Michael. Why? Gus is Michael's son. 
children resemble their parents. All right? And we'll say that all the time. Oh, he has his mommy's nose. Or she has her daddy's eyes. Or her facial expressions are just like her dad's. Or he walks like his mom. Listen, when people see you, they should say, he, she resembles the father's holiness. She look, he looks just like the father. Can that be said of you? Can that be said of me? Peter's saying, listen. God has adopted you into his family, and the Father's holy. And he said, be holy, for I am holy. Children resemble the Father. You should be motivated to live holy because the Father who has poured out all this grace on you is holy. And so you should want to be like him. Be holy, for he is holy. Well, why else? Verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things, Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Who is Peter talking about here? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus over and over and over again. And he's talking about, listen, you can live holy and because the Father is holy and the Father has adopted you into his family and children resemble the Father. So living holy is just what children of the Father, children of God look like. But also because of the price the Father paid to bring you into his family. The price he paid was the precious blood of his own son. And so when you get thinking about that, that should move you to want to live in obedience out of gratitude for what the Father has done, out of gratitude for the price Jesus paid to bring you into the Father's family. It's a story of a seminary student who, when he was a boy, he fell in love with golf. And his parents gave him a golf club and one of those harmless little wiffle ball kind of golf balls. I remember having, you know what I'm talking about? And so he wouldn't hurt anything. So he would go to the backyard with his golf club and this little wiffle ball, golf ball, and he would just swing as hard as he could and try to hit this thing, and he loved it. Well, there was a time when the, the, the student thought his parents weren't home, and he's like, man, I would just love, I would love to feel what it's like to actually hit a real golf ball. So he goes into the dad's garage, pulls out one of the dad's real golf balls, sets it in the backyard, doesn't think his parents are home, swings as hard as he can, takes a whack at it, hits that golf ball, does not go where it's supposed to go, crashes through the window of the house, and he hears this piercing scream. He runs into the house, and his mom is bleeding from her forehead down. And he says, Mom, I could have killed you. And she's like, it's okay. I'm all right. I'm okay. And the student went on to say, you know, ever since then, there were certain things I could no longer do in the backyard. I could no longer swing a golf club in the backyard. I could no longer put that little wiffle ball golf ball in the backyard. I just couldn't because I could see what I had done and what it had caused my mom. And to see that blood coming down, they're just, it changed my behavior. That's exactly what Peter is saying. When you see the precious blood of Christ being poured out for you so that you could be brought into the Father's family, it will change your behavior. And that's what Peter's saying here. The precious blood of Christ 
when you realize the grace that God has poured out on you, that he sacrificed his own son on the cross so that you could be forgiven of all your sins and be brought into the family of God, that alone is motivation for being obedient to Jesus Christ. And then he continues, last reason, verse 22, he says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable. And he quotes a passage in Isaiah. He says, through the living and abiding word of God, verse 25, the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. I think what Peter's saying here is that living holy, living in obedience to Jesus Christ is just consistent with what the gospel does in a person, what it produces. And what it produces is love for other Christians. And so this holy living is ultimately expressed in how you love other believers. But he's saying this gospel, it's imperishable. It doesn't die. It's living, it's abiding, it continues, it remains forever. So this gospel that you're believing in to rescue you out of your sins, it's continuing to work in you right now. And what it continues to work in you is a life of holiness and obedience to Jesus Christ because the work of the gospel remains forever. It's living and abiding. So he's saying, really, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you say you're someone who's believing the gospel then holiness should just it should be a character of you, a characteristic of you, because that's what the gospel produces, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It produces holiness. All right, kids, question for you. All the kids. All right, kids, a question. Do bunnies hop or swim? Big kids. It, <laughs> it doesn't depend, Josh. Stop. Everyone other than Josh answer this question, all right? Do bunnies hop or swim? What do they do? They hop. Do fish hop or swim? Fish. Swim, all right? What sound do cows make? Moo. What sound do pigs make? Oink. All right. What do those people who've surrendered their lives to Jesus believing the gospel, what do they do? They're obedient. It's just who we are because our Father is holy. It's a, it's a characteristic of who we are as God's people. And so Peter's just trying to encourage these followers of Jesus. And he's saying, listen, in those moments when following Jesus gets hard and it's actually bringing you pain, you just get thinking about heaven. You just get thinking about Jesus, and you just keep staying faithfully obedient to Jesus. Why? Because the Father who called you, and has chosen you to be part of his family, he's holy, and children resemble the Father. And because you remember the price that was paid to bring you into the family, it's the precious blood of the Father's own Son, you get looking at that, and it'll change your behavior. You get looking at Jesus, and remember that the gospel that you're believing in right now, it produces holiness. And you remember those things, and you just keep staying obedient. And it's kind of like go back to our kickball when the team captain chooses you, and you know you don't deserve to be chosen. You know you never deserve to have your name called in the first place, and yet he still calls your name. And now you're on his team. How do you want to play? I'm motivated. Not because I deserve to be on the team, but because he chose me out of his grace and love for me to be on his team. 
And now I want to play for the team captain, not because he put me on his team, but because the father who is holy has chosen me to be part of his family. And the price he paid to obtain my release from sin so that it could be part of his family was the precious blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. And so my question to you this morning, my question to me is, what does living holy look like for you? And as the band comes, I want you to be thinking about that. I don't want to give you some time right where you sit to be thinking, what does living holy look like for you? Where are you resembling the Father's holiness and where aren't you resembling his holiness? Are there certain sins that maybe you, you need to confess? Are there things that you need to get accountability for? Are there people you need to go and seek forgiveness from? Are there people you need to give forgiveness to? And so as they begin to play, I just right where you sit, I just want you to take a moment and just ask the Spirit, Spirit, expose my heart now and help me see those areas of holiness or unholiness. And help me see those. Do that now, right where you sit. Just ask Him. Maybe you're here and You've been walking or seeking to walk in obedience to Jesus, and it's just been hard. I hope you hear today the Father saying, just keep going. Just keep faithful. Just keep thinking that this isn't home. Keep thinking about your salvation. Keep thinking about me. He says, keep thinking about the precious blood of my son. Keep thinking about that good news that you heard that's changed your life. You just keep living holy. You just stay faithful. What's the Spirit saying to you this morning when it comes to moving forward for Jesus, even when moving forward or living holy brings suffering? And now the next one, how can you obey what he's saying to you this morning? How can you obey what he's saying? As we begin to sing, if you need prayer this morning, have some of our house church pastors off in the back or out to, off to the side, and we're here to pray with you, pray for you if you need that today. Maybe later today there's someone that you need to call or text or talk with that you need to just get things right. But what's the Spirit of God saying to you this morning, and then what do you need to do to live that out in obedience, out of gratitude for what the Father's done? I want you to stand with me and with us. And as you're standing, I want to read this passage from the Apostle Paul to Titus. In Titus chapter 2, he says this. He says the same thing Peter said. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And this grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, waiting for home, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So as we sing, I want you to see the Father in all his holiness because the sound that heaven is making right now is holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. And the sound of the church is the same, should be the same. So you see the Father and see 
Christ paying the price so that you could be forgiven of all your sin, washed clean, righteous, holy, and brought into the family. And you see that gospel, that truth that's continuously changing your life so that you can look more and more like the Father every day. God, you're good to us. Receive these songs as a worship of you today. Lord, we're so undeserving of all this grace you've poured out, but we'll take it. We don't deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. And may our lives reflect the gratitude of our hearts toward you and all you've done for us. Amen.